2: Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, put it all in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. i have got a lot to talk about tonight, including how can this market hit record highs today after what happened in Washington yesterday? the Dow gaining 212 points, S&P jumping 1.48 percent, and the Nasdaq pole vaulting 2.56 percent, made up a lot of the ground from yesterday. So you got to ask, right, does Wall Street like violent confrontation? Does it somehow agree with the rioters? Stocks pulled back yesterday when the goon squad stormed the Capitol, but not by that much. And then today they came roaring back. So what's going on here? Simple. Well, it's not how the market works. See, it's not a referendum on the most disheartening story we've seen in the capital in years. Well, I've got you. Let me tell you a story. It's going to something, it'll be something I build on. 38 years ago, I first sat down on a professional trading desk at Goldman Sachs. The market was roaring. It was just smoking higher. I was green as green could be. I was a real rookie. I turned around to a senior trader, one who would go on to make partner and then become a billionaire hedge fund manager. And I asked him, why, why was the market exploding to the upside? There was nothing going on. Nothing I saw that was good. Well, he, he looked at me. He looked down at me. He looked at me. He saw my Moe Ginsburg suit with my pathetic button-down collar. See, you could only wear straight collars with French cuffs back then. And, and turned away as if I was some sort of vagabond for saying, more buyers than sellers. More buyers than sellers. Huh? I wanted to scream, are you kidding me? More buyers than sellers. Well, that's real helpful. But he'd already moved on to doing some big six-figure trade and left me stewing in my own pilled cotton confusion. But you know what? He was dead right. The market roared today because there are more buyers than sellers. So if, like me, you're horrified by what happened yesterday, the question to ask is, why aren't there more sellers than buyers? That's the question. Well, first and foremost, The buyers have nowhere else to go and the sellers are reluctant, extremely reluctant to part with their merchandise at these levels. If you want a decent return right now, stocks are the only game in town. We know that. Remember, there are a ton of investors who use index funds as a way to save money. And the index crowd's not flipping in and out based on daily headlines, no matter how horrendous they are. They're in for the long haul. These people contribute to the retirement accounts every month, and especially a lot at the beginning of the year, and that results in automatic index fund buying. They sell, I don't know, sometimes they panic, but for the most part, because of these games, these are the only game in town. that makes so little on in interest rates. Well, not enough sellers. Second, you may be freaked out by the monsters running amuck on Capitol Hill, but these days a lot of money managed money is managed it's managed by algorithms and run. We call it machines, but it's algorithms. The machines don't care about barricade storming. They're on autopilot. Because there's a lot of groupthink on Wall Street, they're usually given the same set of instructions. They buy the industrials and sell tech when it looks like the economy is about to pick up steam, which is what they did yesterday. Nobody uh, had to. Well, they weren't pre-programmed to sell on a mob attacking our legislature. No, to the machines. It, it was as as cavaliers. It sounds. It, it was just noise. So none of them are spitting out giant sell orders as they watch TV. They're machines. Machines don't watch TV. Instead, they bought the classic industrial stocks. They paid up for Caterpillar, North, North, uh, Southern uh, Honeywell. A lot more machine buyers than machine sellers. They probably bought tech back today, those moronic machines. Third, the stock market is not a proxy for the health of American democracy. It's a market of stocks, which represent companies. Many of the companies in the S&P 500 have big buybacks, where they basically repurchase their own stocks on autopilot every day. They don't stop because there's turmoil in the capital. These relentless buybacks have created a genuine stock shortage. It's going to be one of my themes of 2021, especially among the dwindling number of industrials in the S&P 500. There are no similar automatic sell programs to speak of, except for, of course, Tesla. And the market loves Tesla, so it can sell all at once. Fourth, speaking of Tesla, this thing just keeps roaring. It's the greatest umbrella for other stocks in history. You could argue it went up today because still one more negative analyst finally could pitch lead. I'd say I'd say that this is because Tesla was recently added to the S&P 500. And there are plenty of index and index like funds that still need to build up their positions. And as it goes higher, they got to buy more more buyers than sellers. As Tesla goes higher, the index funds don't ring the register. They let it ride. Same goes for speculators who've fallen in love with this one. Personally, at some point, maybe it take a little schnitzel, a little bit off the table, but uh, anything else I think is pure greed. But when it comes to Tesla, the Gordon Gecko greed is good philosophy has worked better than any other philosophy I can think of. Fifth, you've got to wonder if there's so much more stimulus coming from the government and many people invest in the stock market who are well off like they did in the spring. In other words, they don't need the stimulus to put money, food on the table. They don't need the money to go to the supermarket. Well, wouldn't it be kind of crazy to sell into the face of that wall of money coming your way? Remember, the Democrats just won two Senate races in Georgia by promising to send out $2,000 checks. After the success of the first stimulus package, investors are coming around to the idea that the government can actually play a positive role in our lives. Seems like a reason to buy not sell. Six, we see the chaos in Washington, but many, many believe the stormy of the Capitol will be the high watermark of discord for at least this age. The election is finally over. The results are certified. The challengers are finished. There's a possibility of unity after years of polarization. Whether you love Trump or hate him, there's no denying that he's a divisive figure, but that's by choice. He likes being divisive. He always has. Two weeks and he's out of the job. If that sounds a little too naive, let me give you a point number seven. American companies know how to work with political destabilization. See, they've been doing working in emerging market countries for years. These executives can handle a little chaos, even if it's in Washington. Compared to what they've dealt with overseas, this is actually small potatoes for them. Even if the if capital gets besieged for the next two weeks, they know Biden will be sworn in and then it's over. So why allow some, to them, political theater, no matter how sad and chilling it is to you, to rock you out of your positions? Don't get me wrong, I am incredibly disturbed by what happened yesterday. As an American, it's heartbreaking. I don't want anyone who lives anywhere, it's heartbreaking, except for one of the countries that are enemies. I, I, I don't want to live in a banana republic. But neither the CEOs nor the stock market have problems dealing with banana republics. They're used to it. Reason number eight, the insanity yesterday obscured Tuesday's election results. But uh, Democratic control of the Senate is a big deal. Democrats historically favor infrastructure spending much more than Republicans. That's why the stocks like Martin Marietta and Vulcan Materials, they aggregate makers at Rocks, United Rentals, they keep roaring. Uh, With Mitch McConnell out as majority leader, their prospects have changed for the much better Nine, so many of the hottest stocks out there, the new companies that have come public by merging with special purpose acquisition vehicles, they need government subsidies if their businesses are ever going to catch on. That goes for nearly all the electric vehicle places, even the hydrogen fuel cell plays like uh, Alpha like Plug Power that's doing so well. We're going to hear from them later tonight. Yeah, the, these companies need the government behind them. They need Uncle Sam granting subsidies to, or tax credits to companies that buy their products. That, that was the secret behind Tesla. Uh, and of course, now it's just a great car. We, a lot of these companies are now likely to get subsidies or their customers are going to get subsidies. Uh, now, if the Democrats are about to have unified control of Congress and the White House. Finally, earlier this week, I told you that you have to use any weakness as a chance to buy stocks that are part of my 10 favorite long term themes. Boy, we got that weakness Monday and yesterday. Many of these stocks got hit incredibly hard. Travel, leisure, e-commerce, digitization, cybersecurity, 5G, wealth management. I hope you took my advice and bought them because they all came roaring back today, which is why I gave you those themes to begin with. So sure, the first time my Goldman Sachs mentor told me stocks were rallying hard because we had more buyers than sellers, I thought it was the dumbest, most cavalier kind of circular reasoning. But the bottom line is that on days like today, it helps you reframe the action. The stock market's not a referendum on the state of the nation. Maybe you even want it to be, but it's not. It's a market of stocks. When investors see few reasons to sell and many reasons to buy, the averages go up, regardless of the craziness in the capital. Let's go to Michael in Texas, please. Michael. Well, there you go. Little kids probably thinking good things. I like that. What's up?
0: Jimmy Chill, mm-hmm. uh, my stock is Encino Inc., ticker symbol NCNO, a fintech company that offers um, banking operating systems. Their clients are B of A, Barclays, SunTrust Bank, TD Bank, Fifth Third, and KeyBank. You had the CEO on Pierre and Daudet back in September 10th when the stock was $80. We recommended it. The stock just hit a low yesterday of $65.32. Is it are you still recommending the stock? Is it going? No, to no,
2: no. I am re recommending it strongly. I frankly don't understand why this is a six billion dollar stock. I think that some big organization red brokerage house gets behind this thing and you see a major move. These guys are for real. Don't be confused by the stock action. The stock action is wrong. Let's go to David, my home state in New Jersey. David. Dave, how are you? I'm good. How about you?
3: Good, good, good. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate. It. I really appreciate all your uh, thoughts uh, on CNBC whole day in the, early in the morning. Me and oh, my you're, wife very you're very kind.
2: You're uh, very kind, but I am happy to be able to try to help you. Let's let's go to work. Um, be on me. I know it's been downgraded
3: yesterday, and you know I've been holding that for a while, and just wanted to know what it looks like for the 2021 to, for this year.
2: Yeah, here's the problem. The competition's coming all over the place now, and even though Impossible is uh, has some ingredients that maybe some of the people, vegans and vegetarians, don't like, uh, it, they just cut prices again, second time. Now the prices were cut 15%. There's just too much competition right now. It looks like that Ethan Brown, as great as he is, is proselytizing for an industry that a lot of people want. So right now, they're under pricing pressure, and that's what's causing the stock to go down. May I go to Victoria in California, please, Victoria?
4: Hi, Jim. Hi, Victoria. When the the coronavirus epidemic is over, we will look back at companies that became instrumental to our everyday lives and how we do business moving forward. I look at the transports as
5: planes should have Superman capes on their wings as they came through with our deliveries no matter what the circumstances. And even now, as they distribute— the vaccines we need around the world. I'm specifically referring to United Parcel Service, a solid company with good dividends. Yet the stock, while it has gone up, it's still off its highs. And even then, I'm
0: surprised we have not seen it closer to the 200s as its rival FedEx. Can you give me your
2: thoughts on the stock making gains moving forward? I gave a talk yesterday uh, for club members of ActionLarsPlus.com. And I said that Carol Tomei is being underestimated here. She is the CEO of United Parcel. The stock keeps going lower. And I am betting that this stock is going to be a, a great buy over the course of the year. So I agree with you and encourage you to listen to my talk because I think it's going to be a very big stock. All right. Look, the market is not a referendum on one of the saddest, most disgusting days in, in our country's history. It just so happens that there are more reasons to buy than to sell. Oh, man, Money tonight, I'm sitting down with one of the hottest stocks in the entire market, Plug Power, up 35% today. Find out about that $1.5 billion joint venture with SK Group and what it means. Then Bed Bath & Beyond's falling today. But is the market looking at the earnings all wrong? Let's talk to the CEO. And it might not come as a surprise, but people are drinking more these days at home. Constellation Brands reporting beer shipments were up 28% in the most recent quarter. I'm going to sit down with the CEO to find out if the trend can continue. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to at CNBC.com, or give us a call
2: The alternative energy stocks roared yesterday after the Democrats swept the Georgia Senate runoffs. Anything that helps wean us off fossil fuels suddenly looks a lot more attractive. Not just Tesla, please, including the hydrogen fuel cell plays. And the good news just keeps coming. Take Kramer Fave Plug Power, which already has a rapidly growing business making hydrogen fuel cells for forklifts. It's the rare hydrogen play that's generating real revenue right now, I'm tripling the revenue from just a few years ago. Last time, we learned that Plug Power is forming a joint venture with SK Group. That's a gigantic South Korean conglomerate to accelerate the spread of hydrogen power in Asia. As part of the arrangement, SK Group is investing $1.5 billion in plug power, and that is huge. That's why the stock surged. 35% today. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Andy Marsh, the president and CEO of Plug Power. You got a better read on the joint venture and what it means going forward. Andy, welcome back to Bad Money. Great to be back, Jim. Well, Andy, when you came on, I'd say you came on when the stock was single digits. You came on when the stock had doubled. <laughs> you continue to say things are going to be great, great, great. You had dollars all the way, but then a great company, SK, decides that you are the one it wants to partner with. Why did they select Plug Power?
6: Well, Jim, as you mentioned, SK is this huge conglomerate in the energy space, the chemical space, the telecommunication space, and they were looking for a solution that would provide somebody to work with who could fill all their needs. And when they looked around the world, they saw that plug power could build fueling stations, plug power could generate hydrogen, plug power could have fuel cells which could back up data centers or generate power. And I think all those attributes was that, uh, and I think you hit it on the beginning, they also knew Plug Power was the one company with real revenue and real experience deploying fuel cell and hydrogen. And I think that's why they picked us. And why we picked them was because Korea is going to be a big market.
2: I think you should talk a little more about what what Korea is doing versus what just happened in the Senate the United States yesterday. Korea has a long term hydrogen plan. Tell me about that, because I think it's something that President Biden might want to know
6: about. Absolutely. And by the way, President Biden has a long term hydrogen plan. But you know, but Korea is targeting the hydrogen market to be over 40 billion dollars in 2040. And they have aggressive plans. When I look at the level of hydrogen they're planning to use, it's actually about 150 times more than what we use in the US today. Oh, cool. So it's a big, big, huge opportunity. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, Korea has plans for uh, fuel cells and mobility, fuel cells for stationary products. For example, with SK, we're looking to use their chemical plants the waste stream from those chemical plants, clean it up and put hydrogen on the grid or generate hydrogen for vehicles. So it's really exciting. And Plug Power, as I mentioned before, one of the few companies, if not the only company in the world that could do all that for you.
2: Yeah, it reminds me kind of of Tesla, where people felt their balance sheet's bad. They'll never make it. They'll never make it. And then suddenly you've got the best balance sheet in the industry, uh, because yeah. of some, a cash raise, but also because of SK. So I imagine you've got uh, a lot of things you can now do, not just an expansion of a Walmart deal, but really kind of look globally, be a real strong partner and not be a mendicant if somebody like a BP comes you and says, ooh, maybe we can help you. You offer more to them now than they offer you.
6: Jim, uh, when we worked with SK, it was very nice to be in position that uh, – We could say to them, there's nowhere else to go. And it certainly helped uh, in the negotiations. And uh, we do have, you know, we're committed to expanding the green hydrogen economy, not only in North America, not only in Asia. I think you'll hear more about our activities in Europe very, very soon. Now, Andy, you've been at it for a long time. But before this, of course,
2: you talked to us about how you were in cell phone business when they were the size of batteries. Now they're just these great handheld a lot of people are asking me, they're saying, Jim, why are you behind hydrogen? Hydrogen is so expensive, it can never be economic. And I say I'm behind it because Andy Marsh told me I should be behind <laughs> it. It's happening, right? The price is coming down.
6: The price is coming down. And and look, uh, it's really kind of a simple equation. Green hydrogen is tied to the cost of solar, the cost of wind. And as you know, as you know where deals are being done, if you can generate hydro, if you can have electricity at four cents a kilowatt hour, leveraging electrolysis, you can generate hydrogen comparable with natural gas. So when I look at the world, it's almost like, how, you know, who would ever build a coal plant today when you could use solar? And that's where we're going with hydrogen.
2: Uh, meantime, we can't forget the fact that Walmart continues to be even
6: more committed with you than when we saw you last. Walmart's very, very committed to us. Amazon's very committed to us. Uh, You know, we're we've come out already and said next year is going to be another year where this business will grow 30 to 35 percent in revenue. And, uh, you know, I can tell you at the moment we have the best book we've ever had. And we're looking to even surpass those numbers.
2: I try to tell people that when you meet with uh, or fortunate enough to meet with people from Amazon, or I have important, important to meet with people from Walmart and with a lot of other companies out west. They are trying to figure out uh, Walmart, Bentonville, but they're trying to figure out how they can lower their carbon footprint. And they're struggling and struggling and struggling. And the best way to do it is with plug power.
6: The best the best way to do it is plug power. And I think you hit on an important point, Jim. Fuel cells and hydrogen are best today in business to business applications because of energy density and asset utilization. And that's why Amazon's so plug power is so important to Amazon. It's why plug power is so important to Walmart and other companies.
2: All right. Last question. The Senate goes Democrat. So now I'm trying to figure out if you're Andy Marsh, do you say, you know what? We're going to have more customers than we even thought now that we have a
6: unified government. Does it work like that, sir? I will tell you this. There's no better friend uh, to the fuel cell industry over the last 20 years than Senator Schumer. And boy, he's in charge of what legislation gets to the gets to the floor. And uh, I think it's going to be a great time for the hydrogen fuel cell industry. And being a New York company, we couldn't be luckier to have such a great senator.
2: Well, I got to tell you, everything you said has come true except for much bigger. People say, Andy Andy Marsh comes on your show, he talks a big game. No, Andy Marsh delivers a bigger game. Andy Marsh, (laughs) President and CEO of Plug Power, PLUG. Congratulations, sir, on that creative. Thank you, Jim. All right, good to see you. Good to see you. Look, it's for real. Bad Money's back after the break.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof-of-delivery, Packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format,
2: What thing just happened to the stock of Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, after working its way hard for the better part of the year, this is one of the great comeback stories of 2020. The home goods retailer reported what many people thought was a lackluster quarter this morning. Stock plunged 11%. What happened? Okay, on the surface, Bed Bath delivered a clear top and bottom line miss. Same-store sales were up only 2%. Now, uh, Wall Street was looking for about 5 Not only did they see a clear slowdown towards the end of the quarter, but management's guidance for the next quarter was viewed as underwhelming. But that said, it wasn't all that bad. Bed Bath put up some incredible digital numbers, up 77% company-wide, and there were some positives in the guidance. Uh, they said December was solid, and the company edged up next year's forecast for earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation and amortization to the point where the stock is the, probably the cheapest retailer I know. Finally, some of the stuff was confusing. Bed Bath's revenue guidance for next year looked, looked kind of ugly, but a lot of that's because the analysts hadn't taken out numbers for a business that the company told us they'd be selling last month. My view, look, betting against this company's new management team is repeatedly proven to be a mistake. So let's take a closer look with Mark Tritton, the president CEO of Bed Bath & Beyond. Get a better read on the quarter as company's prospects. Mr. Tritton, welcome back to Bad Money.
5: Hey, Jim, how are you? Thanks for having me.
2: Okay, so, Mark, I have to admit, a little confused. Key banks saying sales below expectations. And then we got the Wells Fargo saying comps same old Bed Bath. And then for UBS, uh, first read disappointing. I mean, I don't know. You got a lot of cash. You've done a lot of things right. Are you still on plan?
5: Absolutely, we're on plan. I think it's definitely in the new bed bath. And I think one of the major differences is we've divested stores and divested concepts. And I think there's some confusion in the last year history here. But again, second quarter of consecutive comp, profit, and EBITDA growth over, as you know, years of not achieving that. So we're definitely on track. We feel like we've built the plan and the muscles and now the outputs to really sustain uh, fantastic growth going
2: forward. To me, there also may have been a problem in the terminology. When you do a pickup at store, uh, it looks like that you're almost intentionally keeping your, your brick and mortar same store sales lower and and having your e-com higher. But they may, they should kind of come out in the wash.
5: Yeah, they absolutely do come out in the wash. And that's when we talk about total comp growth. In our business, as in many businesses, a customer buys online and picks up in store. That's an omni-channel experience, but it's recorded as a digital sale. And so that may create some confusion. But we do know that there's a pivot there that has occurred in the month of November where store traffic, as widely reported at retail, really did decline. And so it was a moment in time people were glued to their TVs with the election, but also the the fear of COVID, we believe, really affected store traffic. So Bopus for us was in our digital number, as we said, 77% up and 94% up in our bed bath business, which is terrific. We were able to pivot to accommodate our customer, but there's no doubt that the COVID is a short-term pain point for most retailers.
2: Right. Now, there's also, just in terms of the financials, which I care about passionately, as our, our viewers do, uh, you, you've got a situation where you're selling at three times earnings for interest taxes depreciation. I mean, that is much lower than every other retailer I follow that, that solve right. it. solvent. Uh, you've got a 62% right. floor, uh, uh, float, uh, short float. Uh, and that would presume that your balance sheet's deteriorated, but your balance sheet's improved.
5: We have an incredibly improved balance sheet. We have $1.5 million worth of cash. We have $2.2 billion worth of total liquidity. We have our action plan and our funding for the next three years completely mapped. We're generating free cash flow. We're generating better EBITDA and gross margin increases. This is a well-poised company. And so, you know, we're going to be investing, growing
2: and building over the next three years, as we said on 3-Year Plan. We are on track. Now, at one point I said, oh boy, here's at 18, at 20, they're buying back stock. We don't want the same old bed, bath and beyond when it comes to buying back no. stock, Mark. We want investments in the divisions that you think are right to invest in.
5: Absolutely. And that's why we're now able to do that. So not just are we incredibly liquid, we also have as we outlined in our invest today, a huge map of investment in infrastructure and growth and and our assortment plans, et cetera. Uh, We've actually reduced debt incredibly, over a billion dollars in 2020, sold five companies in a COVID period uh, and are reinvesting that money back into our our growth. And that enables at this point to look at an ASR in both a, a primary and a secondary stage. And look, the share value is very, very ripe at the moment. We're not buying at 60s and and 70s, like
2: before, we're really be investing at a great time. So we see this as a very strategic move. How about Bye Bye Baby? I, I think that's such a good brand, but I'm not seeing the acceleration I would have expected by this point.
5: No, look, I mean, we're, we're very comfortable, well, not comfortable, but we, we're very acknowledging where we are at this point. In a year of major transformation, we really doubled down on the mothership, which was Bed Bath & Beyond. We built our strat plans for Bye Bye Baby, you know, we're only 130 doors across America. We have room to expand and become even more of an authority. We think this is a jewel in the crown as well. And you'll see us invest inside our plans uh, in Bye Bye Baby, Harmon and Decorist over 2021 and beyond. We are really doubling down. We had a few glitches in Q3 around that business. We already bounced back in December. But we believe in this business incredibly. Watch this space.
2: Then why are you going with this kind of flat store number estimate? I mean, to me, you're going to get more merchandise in that you want. You just close 200 underperforming stores. Uh, You're doing so much right when it comes to uh, having investment in e-com. To me, that would seem that that's a lowball number. Honestly, Mark, you're doing better than you
5: say you are. You know what, we want to make sure that we're prudent and we still see some level of COVID activity with vaccines, et cetera, going into 2021. We want to make sure that we're being responsible in our sales plan. And, yes, it could be on the conservative side. We have plans to try to exceed that, of course. We have a lot in our barrel to really fire away in 2021. Uh, so, you know, we are saying that we really kind of have that conservative plan and yet we still will meet and exceed those fantastic EBITDA goals for 2021. So, um, you know, we'll see how we open up. Uh, I think that uh, we've got a lot loaded in the chute and we're very excited about it. So I think you're right. I think we're being prudent in our in our
2: Forecasting there. Uh, one last question. I was thrilled that I saw 11 percent comparable uh, store sales gains in your top five destination categories. Mark, before you, I think you had like a top 38 destination categories, which means that nothing <laughs> was destination. So you're winning where you yeah, want to look- win, right? Well, we've been
5: able to establish what our core is, and I think that's where you start with any great transformation, and we're doubling down in those spaces. And the great news is that we're going into 2021 with, you know, in our belly there. We're seeing 11%, 11% growth in those key categories. They're the categories we're going to be doubling down and in investing in 2021. We're excited about what lies ahead for that.
2: Well, look, you're on plan. Uh, I think that, that you're a very conservative fellow, which we want because the previous management was very aggressive. We don't want that anymore. Mark Tritton, presidency of Bed, Bath and Beyond. Great to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. All right, guys, look, inexpensive, 63% sold short, much better balance sheet in the old days. I don't know. Let it come in a little and buy more. I think that might be right. That money's back there for the break. This morning, we got an incredible quarter from Constellation Brands, the beer, wine and liquor company best known for Modelo and for Corona. Here's a stock that's been on fire for the last nine months, more than doubling from its March lows, as Wall Street realized that the stay at home economy is also the drink a lot economy. Constellation supported a series of strong quarters, but this morning's numbers were on another level company delivered a monster $0.67 earnings beat off of a $2.42 basis, 9% revenue beat, some spectacular 30% organic sales growth for the beer business. Even better, management reinstated their full-year guidance for the first time since the pandemic hit. Their forecasts were well above what Wall Street was looking for. Oh, and they topped it all off with a $2 billion buyback. Remember when people worried about their balance sheet? And that's why the stock rallied 5%, to $5, 2% today. And it also hit an intraday all-time high. You know what? I don't think it's done. But don't take it from me. Let's dig deep with Bill Newlands, the bankable president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Learn more about this incredible quarter and his outlook going forward. Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. Bill, I don't think I've ever seen a company fire or more cylinders at a time when people were, were believing you couldn't do it. The bars are almost closed, Bill, but it didn't matter, did it?
3: Well, we still had tremendous demand for our brands. And as you know, at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. And whether you think about our beer brands with Modelo and Pacifico and Corona, or you think about our wine brands with Maomi and The Prisoner, Kim Crawford, we've got brands that are in demand. And one of the things people do when they're buying for home is they stick with things that they know and they
2: stick with things that they trust. And we have brands that people trust. I was uh, having, knowing this business, as you know, I do. uh, I know how hard it is right now to get glass in Mexico. It's almost impossible, Bill. And yet there I see you are able to produce, Bill. There is more COVID per capita in Mexico than almost any place in the world. How are you able to produce so much beer? We've done a lot of things really from the start of the
3: COVID situation. First of all, Jim, we hired a chief medical officer, Tim Malins. And he's been very helpful to us in guiding what we need to do to keep our people safe. Then you have Daniel Bema, who runs all of our operations in Mexico, and his team, who have also done an outstanding job of making sure that our people are safe. They do temperature checks. You can't get into any of our facilities without temperature checks. We've done education. It's all
2: about keeping our people safe so that we are able to produce at a a significant level. Well, it is extraordinary. Now, another brand you know I've always been crazy about. Pacifico, what, it just got ignited? Pacifico just keeping, is keeping on fire.
3: It has a strong Southern California base, but it continues to grow. It was up 20% in the last quarter in depletions, and the, and the IRI data is up even greater. I think it's one of our real opportunities for the future to be the third leg in the stool,
2: if you will, on top of Modelo and Corona. Millennials are crazy about that one. Now, here's one that I think the analysts don't get. You have a commitment to shareholders like almost no company, I know. But at the same time, you've got a brand, a hard seltzer brand, that they can't stock. So you've got this choice, Bill. You can return shareholder money or, I mean, you can put any amount of money behind this thing. and it, it, It's doing amazingly well.
3: We think we can do both. We only had one SKU this year, Jim, one. And, and yet we did over 10 million cases of, of Corona hard 10, seltzer. You
2: did 10 million cases? I actually and know how gonna, much that is.
3: That's crazy. It is for one skew. So we're introducing a second variety pack here at the beginning of our new fiscal year. And we've got a couple other ideas up our sleeve for later in the fiscal year as well. But it's, it's a great opportunity. As you know, it's a category that's growing. And we're going to take a significant share of it.
2: Now, I know that you were, uh, let's just say, low-key about cannabis on the call. Uh, and yet at the same time, Governor Cuomo's now his plan to legalize it. We had a big election that it looks like there's uh, people want to decriminalize. I know you've got some great formulations that we might want down here to drink, but you chose not to emphasize it on the call, even though your stake has grown substantially. Just feel like you want to buy time a little on this one.
3: This this remains a great opportunity, as you and I have talked a number of times. A canopy is really well positioned to win They're They're winning in Canada they are set up with, with the opportunity with acreage. As you know, there's a triggering event when acreage would become part of Canopy if and when you get federal legalization. They have an investment in Tarasen, who also has a strong position. So if, in fact, the change in the Senate that occurred this week actually works to the advantage of the cannabis
2: industry, Canopy is well positioned to take advantage of it. Bill, you I always told me that if you were to get out of the, say, more commodity wines, and just do premiumization, we would be talking about on this show. You completed that. These premium wines, how did you get double-dip growth out of a wine?
3: Well, again, going back to what we said a couple of minutes ago, people look for things that they know and trust. And when you think about Kim Crawford or Mayomi or The Prisoner or Robert Mondavi, these are iconic brands. And consumers are slightly less likely to, to, to try other things, if you will, uh, at a time when, in many cases, they're buying differently. They're buying direct from from manufacturers or they're using three-tier e-commerce. We invested a lot of money in both of those sectors to make sure that we were ready
2: uh, as the consumer evolved how they purchased. And I always tell people, if you want to hear about invest a lot of money, your commitment to the community, your commitment to the Hispanic community, commitment to young uh, people who've got good ideas to be able to have new drinks. How's that going? It's going very well as you know we made
3: uh, a major investment against women founders and last quarter we announced a major fund to support uh, african-american black and and hispanic owned companies in our venture arm uh that's going very well we're about to announce and we can talk about that as you like but we're about to announce some of our first investments in those areas uh, we invested a fair amount of money in supporting our communities around covid We did the same with the wildfires that existed in California this year. You know, we're a big believer in supporting the
2: communities that we serve. And those are all examples of how we've done it. And we're a big believer in supporting CEOs who are doing what you're doing, which is why I invite you to bring along, uh, maybe just by Zoom, some of the people who are going to receive money from you, because we want to highlight that kind of activity that CEOs need to do in this day and age. Bill Newlands, great to see you. Congratulations on a great quarter. Thank you, Jim. Constellation's a winner. That's Bill Newlands, President and CEO. He's a winner too. STZ, Mad Money's back in for the break. It is time. It's time for the Lightning Round. And then the Lightning Round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the Lightning Round. It's time with David in Michigan. David.
6: Booyah, Creamer!
2: Booyah. you hero of us small investor traders. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Now, I was away last weekend thinking about what I'm doing, and maybe that's what I'm doing, is helping the small investors. Maybe that's a nothing one. Like Let's go to work. Well,
3: I was up over 4% today, so thank you.
2: Oh, that's good. I'm glad you came in. A lot of people telling you to get out, not me. What's going on? I'd like your opinion on Autodesk, A D S K. I think that Autodesk is one of the best-run companies in the world. It just doesn't get talked about because the, the, the software is enterprise-oriented, but, boy, is it ever good. I've used it. Uh, I, it's a buy. Let's go to uh, Canal in North Carolina. Canal.
3: A big booyah, uh, Mr. Kramer.
2: All right.
3: Uh I want to say thank you to all the CNBC staff working there. You guys making it happen. And I'm wondering, are you still feeling bullish on Ensego? I, like Ensego, just had them on the
2: other day. I think that they're terrific. I like Marvell, too. And now i got to tell you, what you said about the staff is absolutely true. These are very hard times. And our staff just acts as if it's, they just plow and stay. They are better now than ever. Let's go to um, uh, Pat New York. Pat. Hallelujah, Jim, longtime fan here. Thank you.
5: Uh, my question to you tonight uh, will be with an e-commerce platform uh, with the recent pullback over in Big C, Big Commerce. What are your thoughts
2: on you know, it? Uh, why are we fooling around with Big Commerce now that it's up six? Uh, we, we Just buy some Adobe. Buy a share of Adobe. Buy a fractional share of Adobe. I think Adobe's doing great. No one's talking about it anymore. I want to go to Jody in California. Jody, Jody. Jody. <laughs>
4: Jim, I love you. You know what? I uh, I've been in love with you since I bought Netflix at twenty three. Oh, so okay.
2: Well, that's what we awesome. have. That's all right. We can build on that.
4: Okay. So anyway, here's the story. I'm calling about CCI Crown Castle. I'm a member of your active alert, your action alerts, and the interest rates rising and everything. And it's been down the last couple of days. I lost a little bit of sleep. No, Um.
2: no, don't. No. Jay Brown's in a battle right now with Elliott Management to get the company to be better. But what's really going on is it's a real estate investment trust. And when interest rates go up, they go down. I think you have to take and recognize that this one is in the grip of the real estate investment trust ETFs. And we're going to make a giant amount of money for my charitable trust and for you in Crown Castle. I need to go to Joe in New York. Joe. A big booyah, Jim, from the South Shore of Long Island, where we love our clams, voices, and mad money's weekdays on CNBC. Jim, Done your way! Let's go! Jim, the stock I'm following is Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. I've seen you had the CEO on your show. You and both my wife swear that they're migraine drug, NERTECH OTT, is a game changer. Um, the stock is up almost 50% uh, in the last year. What is your crystal ball telling us about? I had five a- NERTECHs when I was on vacation. They saved my life. I had really bad migraines every day, and I popped them. And then I was able to enjoy my family. I don't know why I had five. I shouldn't have had them because I was having a decent time. But you know migraine doesn't have anything to do with that. Biohaven also has a drug that is, uh, people think can uh, help against Alzheimer's. I almost wish it didn't because that has proven to be an impossible disease. But Nurtek is the best in show. I'm taking one more. I'm going to go to Steve in Wyoming. Steve.
3: Happy New Year. Thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year. Back to you calling about Golden Nugget Online Gaming.
2: Yeah, interesting. I mean, obviously, it's Tillman Fertitta. I happen to be, I, I have a program that is sponsored by DraftKings. I think the world of them, I think they're doing a great job. New York, by the way, did not make it so it's legalized gambling with a DraftKings or a FanDuel or, or a Nat. It's actually going to be like off-track betting, sadly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning
1: Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: Suddenly everyone loves the oil stocks and the electric vehicle stocks and the hydrogen fuel cell stocks. But can these three groups coexist? Short term? Yes. Sure. You can buy one of the better oil plays, Chevron, Pioneer Natural Resources, or pipeline operator Kinder Morgan and sleep soundly at night. I'd avoid the more challenged players, but lots of people can't seem to get enough BP or Exxon or even Occidental. Meanwhile, Tesla keeps rocketing higher. It's now bigger than all the other automakers combined. Richest man uh, in the world now is uh, Elon Musk. Uh, Is that crazy? Let me answer that question with a question. Who cares? If they can sell millions of shares right now at these levels, then the price is right. Finally, we're seeing a rush toward the hydrogen fuel cell stocks like Plug Power, whom we talked to earlier, and the electric vehicle stocks like QuantumScape. We've had them on, it's better lithium batteries. After experiencing choppiness in the last couple of weeks, this group has caught fire now that we know the Democrats will control the Senate. That means President-elect Biden, very environmentally friendly, will be able to pass parts of that environmental agenda, including generous incentives for companies that reduce their carbon emissions. Of course, the only way to reduce emissions is by getting rid of fossil fuels. So you know what we have now? We've got a classic investor's dilemma. On the one hand, a Biden White House meets more restrictions on oil drilling, which translates into higher prices. Doesn't hurt that the Saudis have also cut back production. Remember, Trump's drill baby drill agenda has pushed down oil prices. He wanted to drill in the Arctic National Wildlife Reserve, for heaven's sake. Biden is paradoxically better for oil prices, because he'll make it harder to drill. Given that we have a supply glut, this industry desperately needs less production. So short-term, this setup favors the oil stocks. But longer term, longer term, I'm a lot less sanguine. The oil industry doesn't want more restrictions on drilling. They don't want more aggressive climate change regulations that push companies to cut back on their carbon emissions or methane. They certainly don't want better electric vehicle technologies that make petroleum increasingly irrelevant. In other words, a Democratic government might accidentally boost the oil industry short term by making it harder to drill. But only they see fossil fuels as a problem that needs to be solved. After the big Democratic wins on Tuesday, I bet many money managers are going to sell the oil stocks over the rest of the year as a statement, a way of acknowledging that it's time to think more about the planet, less about profits, and please their own investors. We saw this under the Obama administration when the market completely turned against coal after the EPA started cracking down and natural gas became plentiful enough to replace it. Trump wanted to revive the coal industry, but by that point, there was nothing he could do. As climate change keeps getting worse, you have to expect oil and gas will be in the crosshairs. This time we've got electric vehicles and hydrogen fuel cells to replace them. So I say party on if you want to trade the oil stocks now that crude's back above 50 But remember, over time, the regulators can crush the demand for oil the same way they crush the demand for coal. And before that happens, you have to expect money managers will start dumping oil stocks as a statement to show their investors they understand the problem. Long term, that means we're going from drill baby drill to sell baby sell. In other words, oil's a trade, not an investment. It may never be more than that again. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear
0: small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.